my goodness. Hi, everybody. We're back. Welcome to The Fundamentalists. My name is Elliot Morgan. Pete, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I have news for you. Oh, what is it? I've been, I've been chomping at the and bit. And you didn't tell me when you came nah. in. That was great. You yeah. just like, wow, okay. Yeah. The moon is an alien spaceship. Is it? Yeah. Shit. Did you, is, do you, does everybody know this? or is it, No. Is it? No. A lot of people don't know. Well, there's some powers at, at the B that are keeping it top secret. Yeah. But I can prove to you. Are we going to get assassinated? Is this going to even get out? Well, I think at this point, if they were going to assassinate us. Oh, you mean the government? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah. Um, okay, so tell me, oh, what, did, who, tell me more. I'm well, nervous. I will tell you more. Okay, first of all, um, ancient texts say that the moon came into our orbit about 13,000, 11 to 13,000 years ago. Okay. okay, and it was basically a uh, spaceship that w had come from uh, Andromeda, I believe, um, from a planet that was destroyed back in the day. Now, there's a few reasons that we know this as a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one is astral projection slash remote viewing, which okay. is used as a psychic spying. Uh, the government funded it as well. The CIA did, did in fact uh, fund a, a remote viewing program um, that was re recently made even more public second pete get mm -hmm. this of all of the moons in our solar system ours is the only one that has a stationary orbit we only ever have seen 40 percent of the moon's surface what's going on behind it oh. another thing why is it that the craters Okay, mm. the small craters, yeah. they have a depth that is proportionate to small craters, but the big craters are just as shallow, if not even convex. It's almost as if... Yeah, why would that be? Because if a big asteroid hit, it would go deeper, wouldn't it? You would think, yeah. unless, there's, unless it's unless not, it's, unless it's just a spaceship. Unless it's made to look like it has asteroids, but really it's just like a screen. Now, there's another um, I idea here that uh, also, why is it, Pete, that the moon perfectly covers the sun during eclipses it uh, perfectly covers it yeah. no other uh natural satellite in our solar system has that from the vantage point of the planet's surface yet for some reason we do isn't that strange that, that is a bit strange why why would they do that i don't like when you start asking all these questions <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not oh. my job to prove this to you yeah. i'm just informing you um no i just fell down a wormhole on that i find i have this really bad habit that is uh where i'll click on someone's reddit profile and see the comments that they made since it's all public sometimes i find absolute gold and the yeah. sheer uh certitude of these people is yeah. remarkable and yeah. the eloquence the so just matter of fact like this is what oh anyway yeah. well, so that's i was what excited I, like yeah i mean any form of like psychotic but it's the certainty is phenomenal the yes. absolute certainty um whether it's aliens or uh chemtrails or exactly. anything yeah. like that yeah very good wonderful stuff so yeah. anyway Folks, welcome to the Fundamentalist. Um, we are having a nice gin and tonic right now because we're getting into the spirit and because we do it pretty much every time anyway. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this is a particular fun holiday-themed episode. We're going to be diving into Santa. We're going to be talking about Santa Claus. Uh, oh, by the way, yes. before we get into that, just I wanted to ask you, have you got into Christmas yet? Have you got a Christmas tree going? Because you're a, you're a yeah. big Christmas guy. I, uh, yeah. um, actually, no. Oh, wow. Uh, I did, however, put decals on my windows because birds were um, flying into oh, them yeah, and killing themselves, kamikaze piloting into them, and um, lost lost one of them, and so I got some, some wintry-looking decals okay. that are up right now. But that's more of a protecting the birds. But are you going to do... Mm -hmm. Are you going to do Christmas? Yeah, Grace goes out of town, I think, on Tuesday. And um, I'm going to try to 
decorate and even put lights up on the house and get that because I've never done uh, that before. But I want to wait till she's gone because if she's there, I'll embarrass myself. And if she's not there, uh, then I'm less likely to get embarrassed at my inability to. I don't like ladders. Um, I don't like ladders. Fun fact. The way I see it is if you need a ladder, uh oh, too high, you know, uh, but I'll make an exception for the birds. I don't oh, know yeah. if you know this about me or not. I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I don't like them. I don't trust them. I don't get them. I don't, they don't make sense to me. <laughs> the moon as a spaceship makes sense. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm going to yeah. do it then and try to get out the Christmas tree. But um, yeah, get some stockings going. It's going to be great. Because Elliot is, uh, you're a Christmassy guy. I'm a, Christ I'm a Christmas, Christmas fan. Guy. I'm not so much of a Christmassy guy. Were you going to um, do anything? I, I bought a chocolate advent calendar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. But Don't you normally have your gin vent calendars here? Yeah, I didn't do it this year. Maybe I'll have All to, right. maybe I'll try and get that it's probably too late but yeah yeah so in in light of christmas then santa claus yes so in. it's tis the season i am a santa fan uh and so i thought it would be a fun episode that is light-hearted and nice and we can uh, dive into the mythology of santa claus where he comes from what he did um what made him into who he is now you might know some of it you might not know a lot of it and then we're going to talk about other things like advertising other things like belief and that kind of yeah, thing yeah i want to jump into yeah belief in santa anyway so we'll, we'll start with the mythology because you go. did a little bit of a deep dive a little bit so you can fill me in because i don't know that much i, I know a lot, bits and pieces you know where he comes from and where do you think he comes from so it's St. Nicholas, mm -hmm. right? Nicholas, and yeah. uh, he was a, a saint who mm -hmm. gave presents at Christmas. Yeah. Uh, was it in Sweden or Norway? Close, or? yeah, Norway. Mm -hmm. Norway, yeah. And I, what, what century? 12th, 12th Something century? Like that. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, so that's, you know, I know it comes from that, and I know that our current kind of Santa Claus look is connected with, obviously, our great Coca-Cola. Yes. And that's pretty much, and I also know, you know, Christmas was like a pagan holiday that was then Christianized and all of those kind of things. So those are the basics I know, but you, you you're right around the there. Details. Okay. So here's the deal. Here is who uh, Santa is based on. Santa is based on a pagan god in the uh, Norse mythology and Germanic mythology named Odin. Are you familiar with uh, Odin? Mid, if I'm familiar with Odin, yeah. Yes. One uh, of the big he's ones. Also, no, it, definitely one of the big ones. A bad, bad, uh, badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's associated with wisdom, healing, death, royalty, the gallows, knowledge, war. All of them were war, pretty much battle, victory, sorcery, poetry, frenzy, uh, and the runic alphabet. Now, it's also Woden and Wotan, which is a little plug. Jung has a very interesting essay on Wotan. Have you read that? Well, he has. Uh, Jung. Oh, no. C.G. Jung. He talks about Wotan in the uh, context of Germany in World War II. That's really okay. um, interesting in case anybody's looking for stuff to read. Uh, that's a little bit ne uh, meatier. So anyway, basically, my understanding is that uh, Santa Claus is based off of Odin. So, too, is Gandalf, by the way. So there's this image of Odin as this old guy when the gods would come to um, Earth to mingle with the humans. When they would come down to our level, they would often disguise themselves as... Um, human so as not to scare everybody and so the images of odin uh in his guise as this wanderer he has a big white beard and odin would give presents and things to the kids who would leave out boots they would leave out boots by their hearth and uh odin after the season of killing at the end of the winter he would uh drop things off now problem is that because odin is uh, a pagan god pagan gods 
had typically moral ambiguity about them. They were not all good and they were not all bad, and that moral ambiguity often did not fit in well with the sort of um, ever-increasingly popularized Christian religion, which was making its way into Norway and Germany around that time. And so therefore, like you're saying, they know how to take, you know, the Christians needed to take certain elements of the pagan, um, these pagan beliefs, incorporate it into Christianity, because while they did not have a polytheistic religion, Christianity does have uh, saints and demons and that kind of thing. So what they did is they split Odin. They said, all right, half of Odin is going to be this uh, benevolent, very kind, gift-giving person who gives good children gifts around Christmas time. Do you know who the other half became? Uh, no. Krampus. Oh, that's right, yes. I don't know much about Krampus, but I know he's celebrated or feared in some uh, yeah. European uh, countries. Very feared, very scary. He eats children. Yeah. Uh, all the evil stuff, you know, it's very, it's right over the plate for this... Um, you know, the, the, the Christian sort of M.O. was to, to just take the good and put that here and the bad go there. Um, and I went to Halloween Horror Nights a couple years ago, and they had a Krampus there. Uh-huh. And it is it is still in my brain, and it's stuck there for quite a while. But anyway, um, after they did this split, everyone was happy. You know, they got their Odin. It became Santa. St. Nicholas became St. Nicholas, and then Krampus has another name that also has Nick in it. Uh, Nick for nickel, and there was the saint, and that way he was a saint, and now he was the good part. And then there was Krampus, that was the demon, and that was the bad part. And so then you end up uh, evolving over the years, and Santa, up until the 1930s, with Coca-Cola, was this very slender, Gandalfy kind of guy. He also rode on a horse. Um, the original Odin had an eight-legged uh, horse that he rode around on, um, and we have eight reindeer. Um, there are some folks who have said that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was meant to uh, symbolize the blood that was on the horse's mouth when he would eat his kill, um, oh. just like a savagery kind of feel. Um, and so the stockings are there, the, the reindeer, you can see the link there, and then Coca-Cola comes along one day, and they say, we're going to reinvent Santa Claus and turn him into this jolly, laughing, big old guy. And since then, we have then inherited this image of Santa Claus that we get when the movies like the Santa Claus and all that stuff, which is one of my favorites. And uh, and yeah, so that's where you get Santa Claus. Wow. Very good. Isn't that fun? I like this is a history channel. I just learned lots of stuff. Yeah. I- <laughs> you know, funnily enough, so I, I'm very into myths, um, the idea of myths, and I was... On YouTube, for anybody who wants it, there's actually two hours of lectures from Claude Levi-Strauss. Yes, you love Levi-Strauss when it comes to the myth yes. stuff. Yes, that's very good. So, but this is like two, like five of his seminars from the 1970s that you can get on YouTube. Very impressive. But he, you know, he explores how myths always um, kind of have these binaries, and then these mixing of binaries. You know, good and evil, light and dark, raw and cooked fast and slow active passive mm-hmm. so it's interesting you're talking about in this myth you know yep. you do have you've got these two sides and um and uh, yeah so it's it's interesting that myths all over the world wherever you go yep. you find these they start off with there's these opposites and then you generally get trickster figures that are the attempt to yep. to to bring the opposites together yeah so that seems to uh, yeah be going on in the, the myth of you Christmas. know that's all right up my alley i, I love know. all that shit yep. yeah crap uh, it's a Santa episode, Elliot. Um, okay, so here's a couple more uh, fun things. Uh, just so we're, we're clear. 
uh, in the Norse creation myth, Odin uh, killed his own great-grandfather. And he, uh, he then created the world out of the corpse of his great-grandfather. He created the mountains out of his great-grandfather's bones. He created the oceans out of his blood. And he created the heavens out of his, uh, his head, his skull. Uh, Isn't that fun? Nice. Lovely. And then uh, we came along and we turned him into Santa Claus. Yeah. And Gandalf. Yep, very good, very good. Now, do you believe in Santa Claus now? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> this is a fun, I like this conversation because you get into the idea of something being literally true and something being mythologically true. And what I love about the Santa Claus myth is that it still exists in both the literal way and in this sort of metaphorical fun way that we all kind of participate in every year. Well, most yeah. of us do, maybe not you. Yeah, yeah. And the thing about belief, you said, do I believe in Santa Claus? This is a thing I wanted to jump into a little bit is... Um, is how belief functions and how belief in superstition functions. Because today, most people don't think of themselves as superstitious, right? Most enlightened people kind of don't believe in this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, the work of Shizek is very good on this. I'll probably reference him a few times, but talks about how um, we often don't directly believe in something, but we believe through another. So a lot of people don't believe in Santa Claus, but they do through their children mm-hmm. so they're or they they believe their children believe maybe the children don't a lot of children just pretend to believe because they see how much joy it brings to their parents but you get the the enjoyment of the belief in santa claus from the naive supposed belief of your children i um, believed in him i literally believed in yeah him. but i wonder whether it's also because the advertising world kind of believes for you so they all of these shops and the the music it's kind of like you don't have to, dire- well, you probably do directly believe, but you don't have to I directly believe. believe. Yeah. <laughs> but one day you won't, but you'll still indirectly yeah. <laughs> believe. <through laughs> and that will be other. painful. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's why, but you know, p- parents, it's often more painful for them when, when the kid stops believing, because although it's the kid has stopped believing because their belief is in the child, whenever the child stops to believing, Christmas loses its magic. Yeah, for the them. magic goes away. Yeah. 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 So this is called, this can be called deferred belief. And so in, in the parallax view, Shizek uses a great example from Niels Bohr, who had a, a, a house that had a horseshoe over the front door. Uh-huh. You might know this story. And um, the horseshoe in Europe is a, it's a symbol of good luck. You hang a horseshoe and good fortune will come. And so one of Niels Bohr's friends said, you know, why have you got a horseshoe above your door? Like, do you think it's going to somehow bring you good luck and Bohr laughs and says of course I don't believe it works and then his friend said well why do you have it and Bohr said well I've heard it works even if you don't believe in it so that that's the structure of ideology today is that you'll meet people who say go to get their palm read and if you ask them well do you believe in palm reading they'll say no not really they go, but why are you going? And it's actually because they do believe through the other. Yeah. Like, oh, even, even though I don't believe it works, I've heard it works even if you don't believe it. Um, and so weirdly, people can continue to have superstitious beliefs and all sorts of things without directly believing in it themselves. Uh, yeah, I also think that's, um, that's like a uh, you're speaking from the perspective of the parent right like the the person but even from the perspective of the child who has to go through that sort of um painful uh initiation into a non-magical reality with the realization that there's not a literal santa claus who comes to your home every day yeah you then have to the little metaphor of 
which I think many people go through, especially with religious beliefs and any kind of belief, you go through it and you go through this life cycle of literalism into the, you know, deadness into that, you know, oh, none of it's, you know, this doesn't mean anything. And you get those people that are so anti whatever they used to believe, they feel so duped and they get all angry and they, they get on Twitter and they yell at people. And then there's another stage where you can go into sort of a more mythical, a more uh, imaginative way of recapturing what was what was uh, there in the beginning. That, so that is true. The way I'm describing it, but as I think it's a, it's an avoidance of that. So I think the the way that some of us continue to believe in superstition is actually by by putting the belief into the other. So uh, this is this, by the way, is the psychoanalytic critique of standard atheism. Because in standard atheism, they they try to show that God doesn't exist in the factual world. Whereas in psychoanalysis, the idea is that it's not that you have to show that God doesn't exist. God has to realize that God doesn't exist. <laughs> so it's like, you know, oh, they love their phrases. Yeah, I know. And it's like advertising. You were mentioning it's like, um, I might not believe that all these products are magical, but as long as the advertisers believe somehow I act as if they are magical through the advertiser's belief. Yeah. So in one sense, the advertisers have to stop believing in order for the belief to impact me. By the way, that's Hegel's understanding of Christianity. Is in other religions, you stop believing in God, but in Christianity, God stops believing in God. So there's a... You mean like with the crucifixion? Yeah, with the kind of like... Why have you forsaken me? Yeah, where God... So it's, so it, uh, you, it's not that you feel forsaken by God, is that you believe in God and then God is forsaken by God and then that frees you from the belief. So, so for Shizek, the idea is that people say they don't believe in things yeah. but continue to believe because the belief is displaced onto some other location and is safe there. And isn't it interesting that we just... Everyone has this sort of like... Like, no, like you were saying, no one wants to admit that they're superstitious. Yeah. No yeah. one would go, I literally believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. So you have kids and you look at kids and you look at kids' joyful faces. By the way, there is this idea with Santa Claus specifically that there is um, the there is a knowledge in children of Santa's dark mythological past. And it is evidenced by them screaming at him when they see him for the <laughs> first time. Which I just think is very funny. Uh, but... Uh, what was I? What was I saying? Something about? Oh yeah, we do, people do want to admit that they're superstitious. Don't, yeah, isn't yeah. that interesting? Yeah. Why not just be like uh, we we're we're in a uh, brain loop of constantly being like, oh okay, um, I can't believe in anything superstitious. Superstition is wrong. Superstition is wrong. You can't believe in anything superstitious. That's irrational and it's dumb and you can't. Excuse me. It's best just to stick to what you know. Stick to what you can you know, quantify. Uh, that's just a funny situation to be in. Although, see, but I, this is where we're opposite. And you're probably going like, oh, people should believe in superstition. Why not? I'm going like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. People are still too superstitious. <laughs> we still live in a superstitious world. You're saying it's still break. there. It's yeah. Just, yeah. So I, I want to kind of, I want to break out of it. But whereas, so that's good. You know, you kind of want to, but both of us are saying the same thing, which is potentially one should admit that we're a lot less, uh, in it, rational and we think yeah you know so again the obvious examples are you know somebody believe they don't believe in hell but they're scared they're going to go there so you get a lot of people who maybe used to be religious 
they don't believe in hell, but they're still scared of it. They don't believe in God, but they're still scared of it. They don't believe in ghosts, but they're still terrified of ghosts. Yeah. You know, they don't believe there's something under the bed, but they still d won't put their foot down in the middle of the night. So there's this weird thing in which well, the Goose beliefs sometimes continue. sleeps next to me on the, ah, yes, on so the floor, so that I can't put that. Yeah. Yeah, that is a, a monster under the bed if ever there was. <laughs> <laughs> Look out, because I've done it once before, and it's been a bad situation. Um, um, yeah, I know yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I had another thought, too, about this... Uh, so, okay, so I saw uh, earlier this um, viral tweet that people were um, making fun of, and I think for good reason. It was very funny. The jokes making fun of it were very funny. But it was a tweet from this person who, God bless him, I don't know, some person that went viral. It, it was a picture of a 7-Eleven from uh, 1973 or something like that, right? And it... Uh, it shows this idyllic convenience store like exchange happening, right? And it's very everything's clean, all the customers smile. It's an advertisement, yeah, right. And the tweet is like, yeah, a Seven Eleven in nineteen seventy three. This is the image. I'll see if I can send this. So we can put it on screen. For oh the yeah, version. very good. And a nice, yeah, yes, very just nice a one. straight up promo shot, right? Yeah. A 7-Eleven in 1973. We used to be a country, a proper country. So I think there's a few very interesting things happening with this. One <laughs> is that um, it's clearly an advertisement. Uh, and so there's all these people just making fun of them, just throwing out <laughs> advertisements, being like, oh, we used to be a country, and it's just an advertisement for a potato. But uh, this is, I think, what happened with Santa Claus, where Coca-Cola came along. And in order to sell Cokes, they created this very jolly, very nice Santa. And it gave people with enough time the illusion that that was what Santa has always looked like and what Santa has always been. And it, like, gives you this false sense that there was a utopia in the past. And there's people who look at these advertisements nowadays and they go, oh, oh we've cut, we've lost it. We've lost oh, we've 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 fallen by the wayside. But uh, but they've just they're duped, you're duped by the advertising. Yeah. And we all are. Like, yeah. I mean, I do it with it. Christmas is just me indulging in uh, advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And no, decorating with advertising. Just yeah. being like, oh, old Coca-Cola, you know, we're going to put this up. And it's like a, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But this yes. is going incredibly viral. And it's like people are, I think, privy to the fact that, you know, advertising is, uh, plays a major role in this and it's controlling us on a big, big level. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And it reminds me, so this is another weird thing about belief and about I ideals. Um, you know, Shizak again, and I think it's in the Parallax View, uses a, a joke from a movie where this guy goes into a coffee shop and says, could I have coffee without milk? Uh, the waiter says, well, we don't have any milk. Can I give you coffee without cream, right? And Shizak said, this is very insightful because coffee without milk and coffee without cream, they sound like they're different, or they sound like they're the same, but they're actually different, right? And what he How? means by that is in psychoanalysis, if you have two people who empirically are the same, you know, same things have happened to them, but we imagine that one of them has this fixation on a relationship that they could have had. So they imagine this other life they could have had. And this other person is fixated on something they could have achieved, but didn't achieve. Mm -hmm. So they're fixated on something counterfactual, something that hasn't happened. Just a fantasy. It's just fantasy. But that fantasy directly impinges their actual life. So one is coffee without cream and one is coffee without milk. 
but the without, the counterfactual world that they're imagining is incredibly significant in terms of its effect on their lives, even though it doesn't exist. It's a fantasy, an ideal, a utopia that they're imagining that is not real, doesn't exist, but it makes them depressed in this life with the choices they've made. And you, what you can do is you can say that they, in this counterfactual world, believe in utopia, in the promise of advertising, the promise of wholeness and completeness, and they believe in God. God doesn't exist in their actual world, but they believe kind of weirdly God exists in this possible world that they haven't had. And again, a psychoanalysis part of the idea is to say, not just that your life now is a bit shit, but your life in that possible world would have been a bit shit as well. Yeah, the no, yeah. Yes, so that fantasy... That 7-Eleven didn't, wouldn't didn't look exist. like that. It doesn't exist, and it doesn't yeah. exist in an alternative world. Your fantasy, your topic fantasy, is is itself already divided. Again, that's the, that's the analytic critique of standard atheism. It's like, it's not that you have to believe that that the world is kind of divided or there's no wholeness in this one. You actually have to believe it in the counterfactual world as well. You yeah. have to realize it's just a fiction. Have you yeah. seen A Christmas Story? Which one's that? Uh, Ralphie, I'm um, gonna shoot your eye out, um, or you're no. gonna shoot your eye out. Uh, the lamp, you know that you ever seen the lamp that's a big leg around Christmas time? Lamp, oh yes, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen the leg lamp. Yeah, is that so from, that's from that movie? The okay, Christmas show, yeah. all right, okay. But uh, I think that movie does an excellent job of it. It perfectly captures that nostalgic feel, but it's incredibly dark and incredibly just like. Uh, the dad is just angry and pissed off the entire time and he does end up shooting his eye out and he, you know, and it is, that doesn't quite shoot his eye, but it's, uh, breaks the nostalgia. Santa is a sweaty, gross guy. And he's wanting, you know, I want this, this gun or whatever. And then Santa just takes his foot and pushes him down the slide to get him off of the, it's a, a great example of, um, I think a perfect balance of a, a Christmas movie. That's not so, saccharin yes yes that's yeah no that's very true i have to watch that um because a friend i think i've used this example before but a friend of mine got a divorce and he was very unhappy in his relationship but when he got the divorce for about six months he was so upset and wanting it back and he weirdly was was nostalgic about the relationship even though he knew that it wasn't a good relationship mm-hmm. and that he was not happy he he couldn't help but ha- suddenly paint it with this nostalgia oh, it's that so made crazy it isn't that crazy that's nuts good, yeah and so what happened is you had one had to kind of go back and kind of like show that that alternative world he was imagining you know could that where they stay together and it was amazing that 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 world was fractured and broken as yeah. well and when he was able to realize that he was able to be happier in the his actual world because his counterfactual world was as shit as his actual world but the irony is in realizing that the counterfactual world is just when you say broken. counterfactual do you mean the one that he's imagining they were all happy yes lucky? happy and yeah. went on to the future happy so counterfactual like didn't happen yeah. it's a possible world counter to the facts yeah counter <laughs> to the facts absolutely so it's a that possible world is is a is a fiction and that actually helps them so the problem with a lot of these movies and a lot of advertising is they give us this counterfactual world of of utopia which is all very nice, but it actually makes us more miserable. It just empirically makes makes us, and it's hard for us to even see this of how much pressure there is on families to make the perfect Christmas, or looking at these movies and seeing the perfect couple who are happy, or like how much depression uh, it, it creates in people. Yeah, 
Yeah. How much it actually affects us that you, yeah, that we yeah. just take. Yeah. And, and it's not that we believe it because we don't believe it. We believe it through the advertisers. So, of course, I don't believe there's a perfect Christmas and that co commodity satisfaction will, will, will fix everything or whatever. Of course, I don't believe that. But I still believe it through the belief of the movies that, are, that Hallmark make that I watch. My belief is held uh, passively in the Hallmark movie. But if it was up to you, would you just do away with it, though? Because I like the kind of cultural uh, breaks, the holiday yes. times. Yes. Where you get to have your little, you get to drink and you be merry and pretend that you're having a good time. It's yeah. like positive thinking. Yeah. It works Yes. For a time. For a time. Yeah, I, well, I've got nothing against, you know, check, chilling out for a while and doing things. I know that yeah, about you. Know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know that about me. But I would say that that the Hegelian notion of Christianity, which is that that it's not that you stop believing in God, it's that God stops believing in God, and that then brings you to the next level, is similar as, like, it's it would be it's not that I stop believing in the magic of Christmas. We need more movies that where you're drawn in and then auto deconstruct Christmas from within. Now not all of them, but I think that that's a real. I'm, I'm sure there are films that do it, like the movie you mentioned there. That that it's kind of subtle, yeah, yeah. And, and it's still a Christmas movie. It's still, it's still a Christmas jolly, movie, but it also kind of it also cracks something. Like what are those movies? Chevy Chase. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. Those movies are excellent example. They're excellent. Like they're kind of like because they're all about National the Lampoon's nostalgia. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I haven't watched it for twenty years, probably. But so good, it holds so up. Good. I'm sure. It's, is it dated? No, is it still no. funny? Oh, it's, God. Well, I mean, it's dated in that it's, you know, any, the same way anything's dated, but it is still very, oh, very, funny. very, very funny. Oh, good. Yeah, no, I mean, sometimes I've watched comedies that I used to really find funny, but they're just, just things have changed. And like laugh tracks, they used to use laugh tracks all the time. Now, I, I can't watch a comedy with a laugh track. No, it takes know? a, yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, but that's, from what I remember of the movie, it's like they're trying to kind of have the perfect Christmas, even the whole thing of the lights and but yet the comedy is, of course, is always being pierced. Yep. Like the, the Christmas is. So that, for me, gives you the best of both worlds. There's something about that that I think is more powerful than the Hallmark movie. The Hallmark movie, I think, makes people depressed. You know, that, that will provide a type of counterfactual, kind of superstitious world of wholeness and oneness and completeness that then just makes you more miserable in your own life. Well, maybe, but the people that are watching those movies, I mean, the bar is pretty low for how miserable you're probably going to be if you're like cons truly consuming those movies non-ironically. Yeah. I mean, you're not in a good place. I know. And that's the sad thing. So I maybe think, you yeah. need that kind of fantasy of like, okay, there's some kind of... <laughs> But I see that that's like I think this is why and you think that buried their the pure ideology because because but, you're right that it's, but it's the same as alcohol like getting drunk if you're if you're poor and have a terrible relationship getting drunk helps in the short solves term solves the problem yeah yeah there you go solves the problem yeah, yeah, so let's move on yeah. yeah but in the long run um, it prevents you actually working to fix your life so in the same way I think Hallmark movies if you're very depressed and unemployed and life is shit. It's not that your life's going to get better if you see through the illusion, but to see through the illusion at least allows you to see the horror of your position, which might allow you to do something. So I, I do see Hallmark movies as a type of way of keeping people passive by yeah. selling them a dream, like like the lottery ticket. Instead of like you buy a lottery ticket, you fantasize about being rich. It's the game, and it you know it and it makes you feel good, but it ultimately is a type of ideological lie that keeps you. In yeah, poor position you're in. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, miserable. Um, I would love to sit down and talk to 
not sit down and talk to them, but I'd like to have uh, at, at a nice Christmas holiday party, I would like to have a um, small talk chat with someone who genuinely, non-ironically enjoys Hallmark uh, Hallmark movies. Because I, I am really, really curious about what it is that the the sheer shamelessness of, be, of being like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to put it on. It, there's something going on there yes. that I don't think is yeah. just... There's something more, more going on. But yo, here's my conspiracy theory, right? You want to hear my conspiracy theory? Yeah, you've heard is mine. That, that I, okay, my conspiracy theory is, obviously I'm being a bit extreme here, but is that there is nobody who non-ironically watches Hallmark. So how you no, enjoy Hallmark know, movies, yeah. but how you enjoy Hallmark movies is by imagining that someone is non-ironically watching it so that you can get the enjoyment of laughing at the Hallmark movie while still watching it. So in other words, everybody's, an, it's like reality TV. Nobody watches the Kardashians unironically, but lots of people watch it believing Mm-mm. there's an unironic person, and then that, that gives them the jouissance. I would love to agree with you. Yeah. And I yeah. get what you're saying. Yes, and I think yes. that's 100% definitely a large portion of these yes. figures' well, audiences. Well, then, then I have to be honest. But, the, the thought experiment is it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's that most people there are people yes, who watch a, these that's shows. That's a big part. That's a, yeah, yeah. So of course but you're saying no one and nothing. I know, but I'm saying that to make the point. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm, yes, I'm okay. saying that to go like like whenever they make some really bad reality TV show, they often are doing it because they're aiming it at the ironic viewer, yeah. the viewer who watches it ironically. Because it's very hard to enjoy something like the Kardashians unironically, but there are people who I'm sure do. Yes, but okay. even things like Duck Dynasty, I mean. From what I know, those guys, they're middle class. They grew their beards and pretended. So the whole thing is a, is a show. They're, they're not, they're ironically, they're ironic characters. Yeah. Like they're playing rednecks when they're not rednecks. Precisely. So not even the people, and, and I know someone who was, there's a, there's a reality TV show in the UK called the Chelsea oh. Girls. or Okay. But it's, um. But she was uh, wanting to um, audition for it because what they have is auditions for reality TV shows. So, you know, as you know, but like these reality TV yeah. shows, they're all p- actors and people who are pretending. Yeah, so, there's a reason they're all waiters uh, yeah. or uh, yeah, students. Yeah. Because they can't say actor because they're all actors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the reason I'm actors saying unlikable on reality uh, television. You can't say that as a title. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the thing for me is for, for enlightened kind of Los Angeles or enlightened people, we still quotes enlightened yeah. right yeah, well, well yeah or kind of whatever but they we, woke okay well yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <messing>. <laughs> you've been words in my mouth I'm, I'm not very anti woke I really you know, wanted but, to see if you just went with that yeah. oh uh, uh well, maybe not that one <laughs> yeah no no just um there's a lot of people who just as I say people believe they don't believe in Santa but they do in a displaced way lots of people do the same with Hallmark movies mm. they they actually do believe in them and enjoy them, but in a displaced yeah. way. So that's what I'm saying. It's like basically yeah. for for educated people, displaced superstition is the dominant, I think, way of engaging with the world. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and I'd aged out of uh, Barney. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching Barney and I, I knew I was too old to watch Barney. And I remember being like, ah, this is a kid's show. Kids like this. Why do kids like this? I'm just going to keep watching it. So I got to watch Barney. Oh, yes. So you could start watching it ironically, and that's how you I watched watch it. Iron- Very yeah. good. Oh, that's okay. It. Well, I don't really... I'm too old for this, but, you know, it's on. There's something else on. Yeah. What's it? Like, Comic-Con is right across the road at the moment, and I bet you a lot of adults 
kind of like the the way that they can continue to do it is by pretending they're being ironic. Yeah. So it's a, so they can continue to. Oh, you mean Comic Con? Yeah, Comic Con. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other. I mean, I think a lot of that is uh, fantasy and, and escaping and uh, you know being able to be not themselves. Yeah. Which is its own. Isn't that? Which is, that that yeah. would be its own kind of. Yeah, it's own quagmire. Yeah, we, we could do yeah, we could do that on a different episode. That's a whole that'd other. Be, yeah, that's a whole other episode. Because yeah, we might have slightly yeah. different views. Because I think it's a nice a nice thing for. Uh, you know, you put on the mask and you wear and you and you go around. I've come around a lot. I used to be very cynical about a lot of the cosplay stuff. I used yeah. to think it was. I used to be very uppity and very well. I used to be uppity about that in particular. But yeah. now I like to think that it's uh, really a psychologically very healthy thing yeah. for people to do to get out and just kind of role yeah. play a little bit. I like. I've got no opinion. I just think it's structurally interesting. Like for me, and even even this idea of displaced belief. There's nothing good or bad about it. It's just. It's just um, it's interesting. a psychic structure. Like, like, pe- like, literally, people will think that we either believe or don't believe. Like us, we think it's like, I know, like isn't that weird. Yeah. So, it, whereas the idea Binary. of displaced belief is, yeah, is where your belief is located elsewhere. Um, I'm trying to find just a few more. Oh, oh. also, yes. Can I can I return? Can I give you a few more history facts? Oh here? yeah, please. This one I yeah. really like. All right. So. Uh, there's a few similarities, a few more similarities between Santa and Odin okay. that I would like to explore. Uh, Santa, for example, has a fleet of elves. I don't know if you're familiar with this. Anymore. Is that what you call a group of elves, a fleet? No. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> but you, I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fleet. A fleet, fleet of, of elves. elves. Ah, yeah. fleet. <laughs> um, Odin yeah. was the lord of Alfheim once, land of the elves. But these were different kind of elves. They were more like uh, legless, Le- like literally legless elves. No, legless says in Lord of the Rings, legless, legoless, like no, with no legless. legs. No, no, legless. Without legs. legs. Have you seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the biggest movie franchise? Uh, I think yeah, I've seen definitely one or two of them. The yeah. elf. But they're not legless. They've got legs. No, his name is legless. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? <laughs> the guy playing first base. Who is on first loop? What are you asking me for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, they, so they've got no legs. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, so they got no legs. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So they both had elves. Um, they also, yeah, they both had, um, yeah, Odin rides an eight-legged horse. Santa rides uh, eight tiny reindeer. And then... Uh, yeah, really, I just thought the elf thing was really interesting. But it was a different kind of elf because it was a badass elf that would, like, kill animals and use a bow and arrow. And uh, uh, not an elf that made toys and wanted to be a dentist deep down. So, anyway. Very good. Yeah. Well, I, I like, like, again, coming back to the myth thing is, like, this, uh, if when you look at myths in America as well, like, all these myths often start to come together in weird ways. So, there's a myth, I think it's a North American myth, about um, twins um, can influence the weather. And so if there's bad weather, I'm not getting this completely right, but it's roughly right. Um, I think maybe the firstborn twin is blamed and they have to repent nice. or something like that, right? But also uh, anybody with hair lip and also... Hair like a clip Hair lip, yeah, yeah, like a cleft in their lip. And then also anybody, I think, who's born feet first. So there's these three things that, that no. weirdly, whenever there's bad weather, the firstborn twin, person with a hair lip and someone who's born feet first they they all have to repent because it's their fault and at first this is completely baffling like why yeah. is this but you know levi strauss does this uh, analysis and what you find 
and it's very, very interesting. So twins, and one of the myths is that uh, this woman um, was deceived into having sex with a god. Yep. And one of the twins is from this, this devious god, the other is from their husband. And so there's these two twins, maybe one good and one bad. And then the hair lip comes from a really roundabout way that this hair once looked up this girl's skirt. And this girl was so annoyed at the hair for being so rude, hit the hair and split the hair's nose. So this hair's like got this split yeah. nose. Yeah. Hair. Hair. Like H A. Oh, like, yeah, as in a, like a rabbit, a hair. H yeah, yeah. A R E. Um, Another example of uh, pagan traditions being incorporated into the Christian holidays. You have the Easter oh, yeah. Holiday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but the interesting thing is that the hair. Was was almost cut in half, but not quite. You know, she yeah. Hit, but not, so the, the the hair is Love like, that. almost like a bringing together well, two that's, opposites. Um, yeah, that's um. There's a Jewish myth that says um that right before you're born, uh, an angel takes its finger and um just sort of presses your lips like that, and that's how you get that little indention. Oh no way! That's so that's nice. the oh. fingerprint of the angel right before your soul went into. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's very good. Very That's good. A, almost better than Santa. Like, yeah. oh, just a little better than being hit and nearly splitting the person in half. Yeah. Bit. That's where God hits you. Yeah. God hits you, and there's a little mark there. <laughs> um, but what was interesting is then it starts to all make sense, and there's something about the feet first, but it all comes together, and oh, these are again, these different traditions are all dealing with opposites. And then mm-hmm. the, 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 the kid with the hair lip is it like a they're not a twin and they're not one. They're mm-hmm. divided and they're the same and nice, all of this nice, kind of stuff. But cool. it's all these weird connections. So, yeah. Love it. Yeah. I'm reading a lot right now about, I just read about Dionysus. You know Dionysus? Oh, yeah, the god of alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and drugs. Nice. Did you know that, that when they did their um, rituals toward Dionysus, uh, anthropologists and sociologists were confused about like how... Um, because legend said, I guess, or history said that they um, they would do these celebrations in honor of Dionysus, the god of wine, and they would they would honor him in the mysteries or whatever. And during this time, they would drink wine. But if they had, they would drink tiny little glasses of wine. And if they had three of them, uh, they were at risk of either going crazy or literally dying. But the problem is that there was no uh, method for fermentation back in the day. So people were super confused about how they were able to get this drunk. They would have to constantly be diluting the wine. They would dilute it like uh, over and over and over again uh, so that people could could continue and, and have fun. And then they found um, by scraping the insides of the containers that were used for the wine that actually it wasn't really wine. They were doing, um, it was a, a drug that came off the wheat and it was basically the same chemical compound as LSD. Uh. Uh, and so what were they, all of this, these celebrations, these quote-unquote wines they were filled with spices and they were filled with all these things but it was a psychotropic uh, experience that they were undergoing and so people would and then so Dionysus was sort of the the god that would bring all these you know women around and he was a little effeminate and he was a little whatever and then he would uh give them this stuff and then they would just sort of go go nutty Wow, very good. Yeah, because that Nietzsche does a lot on Apollo and Dionysus, and that's Apollo's again, really interesting kind one of too. Like opposites. There's yeah. another two extremes, and the half really uh, Yeah, and then Hermes uh, being, I believe, and that's the one I'm reading about now. Hermes is the half brother, I think, of Apollo, okay. and he stole fifty cattle from Apollo the day he was born, and then lied about it. And Apollo thought it was kind of funny. 
and then wow. brought him to their father, Zeus, and was like, what are you going to do with this kid? And Hermes was like, I didn't do it, man. Like, I never did that. I don't know what you're talking about. And then Zeus, again, thought it was funny. He was like, how bold of this guy to just straight up lie to me. Yeah. And then Hermes, uh, someone who was never supposed to be in the uh, sort of pantheon of gods, was able to uh, to be initiated into it. Wow. There you go. Because Hermes being the god of communication. So you see, it's yeah. fun. It's Yeah, it's fun. I don't know anything about myth, <laughs> yeah. but every time I read it, I'm like, I know nothing. And I'm like, I don't, who cares? I'm like, I don't, yeah. whatever. And then I read it and I'm like, this is fascinating. And yeah. every time it's like that, like even the twin thing, it's like, yeah. oh, this still, it, these things still just like really do capture your imagination. It's very yeah. cool. And they're baffling at first, like with myths, when you first encounter them, you, anything could happen. They're the weirdest thing. But then also anthropologists have shown how there's also these rules. So although you feel like anything can happen, that there's a real similarity between myths yeah. right across the world. So it's like, um, and uh, yeah, so it's fascinating stuff. Well, and that uh, might bring us to a nice conclusion. I think Santa is a lovely myth, um, and uh, and I'm okay if it's completely been drip fed to me by Coca-Cola. Yeah, <laughs> and we believe because of Coca-Cola and yeah. the adverts, as we we don't directly believe, but we displace our belief into the ideological mechanisms of advertisements and Hallmark. Exactly. It's Merry beautiful. Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll end it there, I guess. But um, what do I got to do to get you to put some Christmas decorations up? Mm. Oh, yeah. I, you know, uh, I'll... Why don't you just replace the coffee mug that's on your coffee maker that has skulls on it? Why don't you just get one with a Christmas tree on it? <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, my mom every now and again buys me a little Christmas decoration, so I've got about three Christmas decorations somewhere, but that's even more... What's more depressing than no Christmas decorations is like three no. tiny nope. Christmas decorations. I disagree. Okay, you think? Okay, yeah. yeah. Not when that has skulls on it. Okay, yeah. I'll replace that. I've got... And my mom bought me a nice little Christmas decoration for this year, so I'll, I'll put that out. Yeah. She knows what you need. Yeah. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.